0: every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. TDM Fantasy. The TDM Fantasy, Fantasy podcast with your
1: hosts Paige DeMacos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians.
0: Welcome in to the TDM Fantasy podcast. Paige DeMacos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner. A happy Friday to everybody. The last Friday without NFL football. God bless America. We are so close, less than a week away from kickoff of the NFL season. It feels like an absolute eternity that it has taken us to get to this point. I am always counting down till we get to NFL football season. That happens each and every year, but especially with everything that's been going on in this country. I was telling our intern before we dropped into the podcast today, that I just feel very happy to be so damn close to NFL football. It just feels good. So I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to you guys. There's been a hell of a lot of news since we last recorded. We had a uh, our draft for a TDN Fantasy uh, Premium League, which is uh, fantastic. So we'll go. We'll get into that because we had a lot of fun. Um, was pleasantly surprised as, at the level of competitiveness that existed inside of that. So I was really that's a word. I, I, I just listen. I had it was solid,
1: had, man. It was solid. It was. It was. It, was, it actually really was.
0: It um, was really solid. Much to consistent. my
1: chagrin, picking eighth.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I was not prepared. I was prepared for worse because I had no expectations for what the level of play was gonna look like. So we'll we'll get into that a little bit. Um, and also, just final advice as we are in Labor Day weekend and the last stretch here before NFL season kicks off. So drafting and, and getting that stuff done this weekend. So. Guys, we're going to kick things off with the most recent news uh, because it happened this morning, news uh, that Adrian Peterson has been released from the Washington football team. So, Jamie, I'll let you take this one because you have an added interest in this discussion. What does this mean for the running backs in Washington? And what does this mean for people who have rostered Adrian Peterson?
1: Well, I'll start with the second one first because I was one of those people. I took him in the middle rounds of the TDN league. Uh, I think at this point, you're probably, unless you're in a really deep league, unless you're in 16 plus, maybe 14 team leagues with deep benches, you're probably moving on because even if he does sign somewhere else, the appeal of Adrian Peterson being a flex worthy, you know, top 30 ish running back this year was that he was going to get the majority of first and second down work in Washington and get a lot of goal line carries at the present moment, I don't see a scenario where he gets that signing anywhere else. Maybe there's an injury or something that pops up somewhere. Um, maybe Washington decides to bring him back after week one and not have to worry about guaranteed money, all of that stuff. But uh, he's somebody that you can probably move on from at this point. You already The other Washington backs are already going to be taken. Um, certainly at this point, Gibson was drafted everywhere. Love is probably being, is one of the most added players over the last 24 hours. I'm really only interested in Gibson for the most part in the backfield, although in PPR leagues, although I will caution like he was used in a very, very limited role in at Memphis. Like I, I am, I am not ready to sit here and just expect him to get 15, 18 plus touches right out of the gate used in all different scenarios running between the tackles. I know they like him, and, and at some point they might get him into that role, but I still think he's got, a long, he's got a long learning curve to get up to NFL level, even longer than the average college player, so I would temper expectations a bit. Until um, so I see Bryce Love on the field healthy, I'm not going to feel confident starting him. Peyton Barber might have a role uh, early in the season, so it's kind of a mess for me. I think Gibson might be worthy of a, of a flex spot still uh, at this point, but I would be a little nervous early in the season about how much you think he's going to be used. Yeah, I mean, Agier. look, yeah, go ahead. I mean, Gibson was a receiver. He ran with the receivers at the combine.
2: Um, I know my dad really liked him as a David Johnson-ish third-down, two-minute kind of guy because he catches it so well. If you could teach him to pass block, that kind of stuff. But you're exactly right. The learning curve is going to be big. Rice loves now two years away from that ACL. I feel comfortable enough there, not for fantasy, but for football. They're moving on and going young. They realize they're not very good. They're going with young players on offense. Peyton Barber is a solid pro he's going to be a thing for sure. Because the one guy I know they can count on is him. All that says it's a convoluted backfield. I don't know what part of it you want for fantasy. But, uh, you know, AD is going to end up somewhere. If Fournette or or Ronald Jones gets hurt, he knows the offense in Tampa. It wouldn't surprise (laughs) me if he ends up down there as another solid piece. Um, Hopefully neither one of those guys get hurt. But, uh, you know, he'll end up somewhere. And he'll probably have 500-plus yards and look like he's still 25, not 35.
0: Hey, Chicago. I'd love for you to jump on the phone and get Adrian Peterson to come play for the bears, especially for the veteran leadership in the locker room. Got they need some depth at that position. I think that's I, I if Ryan pace is not making that move, I got a lot of questions because I, I know that David Montgomery that, you know, they're hopeful with the injury, but there's no guarantees that he's not going to have, you know, he's going to come back and be okay. I think this is, the, this the second it happened, I said, "I hope Ryan Pace is going to make that move because
2: they need point. him." I, they look; he's been in enough offenses now. I know he's smart. We signed him, you know, mid-season, and he picked it up quick. And an offense that's not the easiest to learn, he could pick it up enough. He's only talking about first and second down. He doesn't catch it very well. That's why he's going to be limited on places he can end up. Uh, but leadership, they talked about how great he was the last two years in Washington. Uh, I know how awesome he was in Arizona. You, you do as well. Uh, and he hadn't lost anything. So as a guy you could add for leadership in a young running back room for depth, I love Chicago's landing spot.
0: He's also pretty comfortable in that division, as we recall. Uh, Knows all the defenses in that division real well as a longtime Minnesota Viking playing against the Bears and the backers and the Lions for a very, very long time. I think that's the second I saw that, I said, Man, I really hope Ryan Pace tries to make that happen, because I think it's it's a move that would make a lot of sense for them, but that is to be determined. Uh, all right, Cam Newton officially named the starter. Uh, I think we were probably a little bit harsher on this happening than anybody else was, uh, mostly because we thought Jared Stidham at least could at least could potentially be the guy for the first couple of weeks. Didn't know that Cam, as late on as he was signed, would be able to come in and showcase enough to be named the starter. But he has officially been named the starter. So, Jake, I'll go to you first because you were probably the, the most critical of this happening this early on. What does this mean about Cam if, you, if Bill Belichick is making this move right now and what do you see from a fantasy perspective as far as his value goes?
2: Stidham had a a hip injury and was limited, so I think it made the decision a lot easier. Cam really took a leadership role, which I think really separated him from anybody else. On name value alone, the guys respected him. Former MVP, played in the Super Bowl. And in shorts and in limited touches in practice, he's not really Cam, so they can't tell what the injuries look like, right? This is all an if on how healthy he is. If he's healthy, I expect him to be 80% of what the old Cam was fantasy value-wise, and that's a top 10 guy, but that's a giant if for me. That Liz Frank and a 255 pound guy, if they're really going to run the read option and be Cam of old, you're not going to be able to go down the field because they have no deep threats. Edelman's probably still going to be a thing because he just has too much separation, He's too savvy at the position. The running back position is a mess, so you're going to be a Cam in the shotgun running the read option. I, there's a lot of ifs, man. I mean, that means you're you're relying on him to run and be the Cam of old, and I just I have a lot of ifs when it comes to that.
0: Jamie, when you are evaluating the quarterback position and you have your rankings, now that you know that you're potentially going to get 16 games from Cam, right, because I don't think – I think saying that, think that he's the name named the starter, sure, now he's going to start off in that position. Whether he stays healthy, whether he finishes the season, whether he plays well enough to earn that spot for 16 games is to be determined. Has he moved in your rankings at all?
1: No, and this is going to be this is going to be the anti-hot take, but nothing's changed. Uh, Jared Stidham's been hurt for weeks; had a terrible last part of camp, trying to fight through that injury. Cam Newton was always going to be named the Week One starter, and we knew this a month ago. Um, all of the questions we have about him holding up over the course of the season, how his shoulder looks, how the foot injury is going to affect him, we have no idea. Nothing has changed. Um, I, I know whenever the Patriots do anything, and I know because Cam Newton's a big name and is an exciting player to watch, that all, every piece of news that comes out becomes uh, you know a, a top news story. But we literally don't know anything more now. Look, the, the only question we had, which was a month and a half ago, was whether or not he could would outperform Stidham enough in a limited camp to, be, to get started week one. But like Jake said, once the hip injury became a factor, uh, then at that point, there was nobody other than Cam Newton that was going to start week one. Brian Hoyer wasn't, Brian Hoyer was not going to be their week one start. So nothing has changed. Um, my opinion on him hasn't changed. Love, I love watching him play, but I have no idea what we're going to get on the field and what we're going to get for multiple games. He might look great week one. He might not. Um, and even if he does look good against the dolphins in opening weekend, is he able to sustain it? Is he able to stay healthy? None of those questions are going to be answered by this. So this was to me, much ado about nothing.
0: Yeah, I think you're, I think this show is less about hype, right? We like to say uh, substance over swag, and this is kind of the definition of that, right? It's, it's hey, let's watch, let's see, this is a lot of new, this is a lot of new in a very short period of time, and to just expect that this is going to be the best case scenario, um, I just think it's borderline ridiculous. So hey, I think another
2: thing we say is watch the tape. I'm going to have to see the tape. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch and, you know, show me what you got left, man. Look, this Dolphins defense could be scary. Good. I don't yeah. know how you're going to throw it on them much. Uh, they got, you know, it's going to be interesting. They, they don't, like, they don't have receivers that separate other than Edelman. They're going to load up to stop the run and their running back positions a mess. It's gonna. I don't think he's gonna look that good in week one, with this limited abbreviated offseason and all that stuff. But yes, yeah, show me. Why don't watch the tape? Show me what you got.
1: I hope he looks good. I, I hope. I hope he's exciting. I, I just for the enjoyment, aesthetically it's good for pleasing. The league, I hope for but,
2: sure, of course. All we know but now is know he
1: can dance. Still
2: in one position, like that. That's all. I – throwing, throwing with giant sweatpants, like or two little sweatpants tucked in your wristbands and your socks, like you're trying to sweat it out. Like he's an MMA fighter trying to cut weight. I, I'm not sure. One, no. here's my problem with that. You're a quarterback. New England ain't that freaking cold right now. How, how <laughs> do that, that restricts your motion. How are you going to practice like that every day? If you're wearing a trash bag under that, trying to drop some pounds, like what are you doing? It makes no sense. I don't know. And I know he can dance, but other than that, show me what you got.
0: Listen, uh, we don't know shit. We just don't. I think you know. that everybody is going to sit here and try and tell me that they know what they're going to see from Cam Newton. You're full of it. You are full of it. How in the hell do you know what you're going to see from Cam Newton when this dude hasn't been healthy in multiple years and the only year we saw him play at a high level was his MVP season? I think this is ridiculous that people are just driving this train. And I get it. I like – there's a lot – I understand. It's Cam, and it's all that comes with Cam. It's the personality. It's the dancing. It's everything. I get that, and I understand. And as Jamie said, I hope we get that. I hope we get MVP S Cam because it's fun to watch. But reality is that we're not going to get that version because he's been really injured. He's had two two injuries. He's in a completely new system with all new players who he's had six weeks to get ready for. I just think then when you put all those things in, reality versus what you want to happen, which is what we talk about on the podcast all the time, this is one of those that's even a bigger stretch because there is so many variables, so many variables to make this the best version. And I hope we get it. I hope we do. I just, uh, especially thinking that it's going to happen week one with Brian Flores, who came from new England. uh, Oh, by the way, and knows what's going on in new England pretty well. And uh, went up to new England last year in a game that really mattered and took it to them. You think they're afraid of this football team? They're not. They're, They're not. And I think that's, unrealistic to think cam is just going to go out there and be an mvp
1: two quick points i want to make one i've already started working on my week one rankings and cam's not in my top 15 quarterbacks so i think in most leagues it's not somebody you're gonna you know two qb leagues sure but otherwise in single quarterback formats he's not somebody that you're going to be playing week one anyway uh, so you should be waiting and see mode and two this will lead us into our next point of discussion but part of the, the reason why there's all of this hype is because Whenever the Patriots do anything, it's automatically assumed that it's going to work, even though there's a very checkered history of this happening. And we've discussed this on the show before about everybody always remembers the, the hits, the late-round hits. A little bit like it, – it, I don't want, I don't want like to make this clear – second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu for
2: 201 yards? Yes, yard that, and then 1, that's far. where I was
1: leading. But yeah. th- there's, th- this is one of those ones where – and this, I know this is going like, to be a hot take, so Hank, don't put this on a graphic. But New England – New England gets the free pass that Seattle never gets. And to be fair, Seattle never deserves to get a free pass for their mistakes, but their early round issues, their players that walk, they've been heavily criticized for it rightfully. So where new England gets a pass on how many guys that they miss in the early rounds on how many guys that they let walk for free, like Chandler Jones or, or not for free or for limited value uh, because, and it's like, Oh, Belichick always knows what he's doing. Belichick's so smart. well, Belichick, the GM, is average at best. Belichick, the yes. coach, is up there for the greatest of all time. But the GM version of Belichick has just as many ups and downs as any other league average general manager, and does not get enough criticism for that.
2: Yeah, you know what fixes think- that? Tom Brady is your quarterback, and nine Super Bowls in twenty years, six
1: of which you won. Absolutely. Yeah. The coach bears. And- coach Belichick bells out GM Belichick, big time.
0: Yeah, and and the reality is, as we've talked about with. Tom Brady, over the last two decades, taking less money, okay, than he than he could have, because he could have taken everything. Every year could have wanted, to, I'm going to do two-year deals, I want to be the highest paid, every year, blah, 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 earn that, could have done it every year, took team-friendly deals, got incentives to make sure that the team could sign other people. All of that is gone now, okay? All of that is gone now. And now you're going to see the fresh slate version of what this new England team actually is because guess what there's a lot for me to read into when there's quite a few players that opted out of this season right for new England and I wonder what that would have looked like if Tom Brady was still there I don't know that that would have happened I can't guarantee that but I think that's an interesting point when you're looking at this that plays a factor because to me this was always Bill and Tom I I think I don't think we're going to ever be able to go, it was just one. No, it was the combination of the two that made them so excellent and unbelievably able to do what will never happen again, right? It's just not going to happen again. You're yeah. not going to see that run ever again in the NFL.
1: A couple of quick points I want to make. One is going to take us off on a tangent, so I'll say it first, so it doesn't do that. Um, <laughs> b- because it's about the Bucks and it's about a comment I saw, a few comments I've seen on, on Twitter about how um, also – some Bucks fans are it's it's I won't get into it but it's extremely strange some of the reaction but um that that why didn't they build why didn't they continue to make all of these moves when Jameis was there oh
0: Uh, we're talking about that Jamie we're talking about
1: that um do you not think players want to one there's but just overarching do you not think players want to play with Tom Brady do you not think the presence of Tom Brady has anything to do with players wanting to be there because otherwise, you're, you're a moron if you don't think that. Uh, and two, just on the New England point before we get back, that entire linebacking core has been decimated on between opt-outs, losses. Now you're not going to have Patrick Patrick Chung in, at safety. You're st- you still have good players. You're still gonna, they're still going to be schemed up very well. They still have really good corners. But there are, so, there are holes on that Patriots defense that haven't been there in previous years. And now you have a change of quarterback. You don't have a ton of trusted weapons on offense. You have two rookie tight ends leading the way. You have Jul- Julian Edelman and nobody that you can right really tackle. trust. Lost your right, yeah. Lost your right tackle. Your left tackle has some injury history. Um, I, there are a lot more questions on that team than there's been before, and it goes beyond just Tom Brady. There are more holes than just whatever the quarterback position is going to bring. Like even if Tom Brady was on this roster, I still think this would be a borderline playoff team given all the other issues that they have.
2: But James, great point. Because the linebackers are the unsung heroes of that defense. You know those other guys get all the credit, but those guys are so multiple, and the guys that they choose to play linebacker there, and you're missing a few of them. It's hard to replace what they can do, and as multiple as they are, because they they are as exotic as it gets from week to week. They completely change their game plan. That's hard to do with new linebackers.
0: Okay, I'm I'm not letting the first part of that slide because I cannot, for the life of me, comprehend. How any Buccaneers fan could twist themselves in any combination to get to a point where you are complaining in any sort of fashion about uh, what more than your once freaking off season has looked like? Please, for the love of God, allow me to take over your Bucks fandom, and you can go sit with Ryan Pace and the Chicago Bears and Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky, okay? Because I I cannot comprehend how freaking spoiled. You have become in such a short period of time that you are actually bitching about Jameis Winston not having enough weapons. I'm sorry. Did he not have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Cameron Brake and OJ Howard and Ronald Jones last year? Because I would like all of those weapons in Chicago, and I'm pretty sure there's 30 NFL teams that would like all those NFL weapons. So get over it. Jameis is gone. He had every opportunity to be that dude, and he threw 30 freaking interceptions. Get over it. You have Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, with unbelievable players, and Leonard Fournette is not taking a cheap deal to come play with Jameis Winston. Get over yourselves. It is literally so dumb. I cannot, I will not allow for it to happen anymore. I will block every one of you because it is so dumb. It, there's fanatical and then they're stupid and that's just stupid it literally is it's not even fanatical it's just dumb because Leonard Fournette is not doing what he's doing if Tom Brady's not there
2: neither that's is Gronk. the point
0: neither is Gronk so you think that those two guys are coming to play with Jameis I will sell you oceanfront property in Iowa if you believe that okay hang on, hang so, on.
2: Jamie t- turn the volume up yeah. that's all I got
0: I, I can't. I'm not doing it anymore. We're not talking to you Bucks. I'm, I always have nice discussions with, there's a lot of great Bucks fans. I don't even know if these guys are Bucks fans. They might just be Jameis stands, which I, which there's a lot of people to stand. Jameis ain't one of them. Don't get it. I'm not, i not, I do not understand it. You want to go stand LeBron James. God bless you. You want to stand for Jameis. Who's not even going to play as a starter this year we got issues. So we're moving on before I have like my blood pressure goes to an unbelievable level, but I could not let that fly because Jamie said, I saw dozens of it, like like, prominent people in Tampa too, with decent amount of followers talking about this. I can't believe he never had help. And I'm going, man,
2: I get blown up daily.
0: How
2: okay, did, how, let's how move did, on. How you're did, younger than me, and you took that bullet for me. and My blood pressure is still normal.
0: I'm just like I'm That's honestly like, if I was Mike Evans and I saw that tweet, I'd be like, "Damn, how disrespectful!" Like, how disrespectful to say that about the weapons that existed last year for for Jameis Winston? I'd be like, "Man, he never had weapons. That's interesting. Uh, I guess I'm not a. It's I just, guess I'm it, not a top ten wide receiver. It's,
1: it's a weird. There, everything is weird about. Tampa just in general just uh, there's this like there's there's the mix of the normal like highly intelligent you know fans understand what's going on there's the mix of just like the normal fanatical they don't care they're just happy they want to see their team win then there's this like weird like masochistic group yes
2: they've been beaten down and depressed so long they're scared to not
1: be yeah like they just it, it, its like a weird, like it's a weird. I don't know. It's because of all the losing and all the years. And again, if you've been a Bucks fan from the beginning, I guess I get how that can drive you insane. Uh, but I, I just—I no, I don't understand. Bro, don't, the, no, how can you be you negative get, about this?
0: Nah, you don't get a pass. You want to know why you don't get a pass? You want a Super Bowl? Not that. I mean, I know it was a long time ago, but it wasn't that long ago. I'm thirty years old. I've never watched the Bears win a damn Super Bowl. I'm a
1: woman. I'll, I'm thirty. <laughs>
0: Like, I'm <laughs> like, come on. Are you serious? That doesn't give you an excuse to act like an asshole and talk out of your ass about takes. I mean, it's just it's not an excuse. Look at the Bears all-time quarterbacks, and please never talk to me. Literally, ne- I don't want to hear nothing from no fan base ever. Go look oh, I'll, at the Bears i time I'll give you the Bucks'
2: response. We traded all of the good ones. Steve Young, Doug I Williams. Don't,
0: that's a uh, block. That's If I got that response, you're getting blocked. <laughs> I get this like, shit Instant all the
1: time. Block. This is my I'm daily like, Twitter feed. Right, so I, That's when i, I
0: started start doing all these Bucks fans.
1: Before smoke starts coming out of Paige's ear, I think the overarching theme here is be happy for where you are right now, where you're a Super Bowl contender for the next at least two years, and you're in a really, really good spot. And there's a lot of talent on that team. Like, be, be happy. There, regardless of what the end results going to end up being, they're going to be one of the most enjoyable, exciting teams to watch this year. And they could win it all. Like, I, I don't know how, if you go into a season knowing your team's going to be fun to watch and they're going to be good and there's going to be a lot of national attention on them. That's the formula for a really exciting season. It really is. You would think.
0: The theme, the theme of the yeah. show is, yeah, the theme of the show is be grateful. Just be grateful. That's it. You have a lot to be grateful for right now. The list is long. Go look at every single skill position you have and just write the list down and just look at it every day. And just that should start your day in a positive direction. By right, the way, on. they re
2: signed the entire defense to go along with all of what you're talking about.
0: Also, that. Let's keep it on Tampa since they did make a move and I talked about it. And I want to talk about it strictly from a fantasy perspective now. And that is Leonard Fournette taking a cheap deal to play with Tom Brady because L-F- Tom Brady is Tom Brady. Okay. This brings me back. so much
1: joy watching Jake do that. Right <laughs>
0: now, given the nothing, history of the show, yes, this is a this is in top ten moment for this show. Okay, <laughs> because of the because of the absolute obsession, and this has been like a, a of our players that we've talked about. Leonard Fournette is in the top ten of the polarizing. We've gone off on it because he's so talented and the injuries and everything. So when this happened, I had the biggest shit-eating grin on my face because I was like, man, I can't wait to talk to Jake about this. <laughs> so, Jake, let's start off from a football perspective. This is an already loaded football team. You add Leonard Fournette. Do you like or not like this move for Tampa?
2: I absolutely love the move. From fo- I mean, how do you not for that contract to get a guy of that immense talent who has, who's a dog? Right When he actually plays, he's a dog. He is physical and catches it. Led the team in, in receptions last year. Led the NFL in touches last year. And you're adding him to a backfield that's pretty talented. Shady McCoy is going to be playing third down to minute. Ronald Jones is the starter. But now you got two guys. Guys the NFL, running backs get beat up. Leonard Fournette's probably more talented than Ronald Jones, although it's going to be close. I think mean, Rojo grows up and matures. But he's already been there and done that. Rojo's trying to figure out if he can. You just added a guy that's 25 years old who feel like we've been talking about forever for that price for a one year, one year deal as you make this run. Now I'm not eating crow on everything I've said about him because he deserved all of it. I never questioned his talent. I never questioned his ability when he actually plays. He was in the wasteland of Jacksonville and we never questioned that. I questioned his want to a lot. I questioned his manhood a few times at the same time maybe it was the wasteland of Jacksonville that'll beat anybody down. I don't know, but I'm not taking any of it back because he, he deserved that criticism and that question. I never questioned the talent. The dude is an absolute freak. He's 230 pounds of a, I think he won the Louisiana hundred meters coming out of high school. I mean, it's uh, I love the move for them from a football perspective. And you're exactly right. He ain't coming for cheap. If they're not, they're going to be this good.
0: No, absolutely not. And I think, I look forward to the eventual time where we get to have Fournette on the podcast and we get to talk to him about how he made the transition from us questioning his manhood to us loving it. I just I need that moment in time and I will make every, any possibility to make that happen because I do think everything that you said, Jake is right. Jacksonville, all his buddies got traded. He was very close to Jalen Ramsey. He started to lose. You know, that 2017 team that was so fun, that honestly should have made it to the Super Bowl, right? We talked about that a hundred times. That team that was so close and just did not finish that moment, they so quickly went from that team to a wasteland. I mean, that was a nosedive. And to play devil's advocate to
2: myself, if you suck as a team and you're dealing with a hamstring, there's a lot of difference if you're winning games to to push through to get back out i'll I'll give him that in high insight now but still worth questioning at the time
1: and to be fair to you jake these these issues go back to lsu this was not something that just popped up for the first time in jacksonville that was out of character now a couple things i want to uh, touch on here one of them i i I like the idea that i'm a narrative buster because i hate lazy narratives so i i want to bust this one too that happened right after so I saw some criticism that like, oh, why are people all of a sudden that were, you know, crapping on Leonard Fournette before are now all excited about him being in Tampa? Well, there's a difference between being a disappointing top five overall pick that has an injury history on a team going nowhere and a player on a one year, three million plus dollar deal that is joining as a complementary piece to an offense that's going to have a significant but not the focal point role in Tampa Bay. That is why people are more excited. Because he is a complementary piece that is going to help an overall elite offense, he is not a disappointing injury-prone top five pick. Uh, instead of taking a quarterback because you trusted Blake Bortles' narrative that was on Jacksonville, we are having these are two different conversations and they are two different contexts to put the player in. So that is why people are rightfully more excited and more hopeful about what he's going to do in Tampa than they were necessarily in Jacksonville. And to that point,
2: Jamie, he faced a loaded box more than any back in the history yes. of the game for the last three years. You ain't doing that in Tampa. You're going to get <laughs> Not <bored>. successfully. <laughs> no. I mean, he's going to face five, six-man boxes sometimes that he's never seen when he's in there, which he's I think gonna he's going to actually an actual thrive. And don't think for a second a quarterback that knows how to change the play at the line of scrimmage is going to check to that. All that Damn. stuff benefits him in having more success than he had in Jacksonville.
1: So and to that point, I wrote an article as you can be at Draftnetwork.com right when the signing was made about like draft value. And by the way, I still do believe Ronald Jones is going to have a significant role in this offense. I, I think um, it's going to become progressively more Fournette's, I believe, as the season goes on. Again, he's going to take a little bit of time to acclimate, but I think by the year's end, when we look kind of look back, um, compared to like last year's workload for Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. I think it's probably going to end up being like 60-40 for net uh, at that point with that workload. But I'm really excited to see him. I, I, I bounce, he was originally in my RB15 before the Jacksonville cut. I dropped him down to RB30 with the you know confusion, and now he's back up to RB19 for me. That's a 14-game projection. I'm still not going to pretend like he's playing 16 games again. I still think that's optimistic. He could, but it's optimistic. Uh, but I still think he's an RB two. I think you're going to be excited if you, if you, you know, you had a little tenuous 48 hours there, but if you drafted him, I don't think he's for many of you, you drafted him re- re- right at where I have him valued Now, even if you drafted him where I had before, you didn't lose much value on him. So he kind of turned out to be well for you, but I'm excited to see how he fits in this offense. I think he's going to be dynamic. I still think Ronald Jones is going to get some work. Uh, he's not going away. Uh, we've seen the, the odd man out. looks like it, it looks like it was Darre. Uh, given all the yeah. moves that we have today, so McCoy's had a good camp. Uh, I think Keyshawn Vaughn's going to could very well be inactive for a number of games early in the season because um, I don't believe last I checked, I don't think he plays special teams. I mean, I'm not, I don't know, but I don't, I don't think he does. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But I, I, you know, look, if you drafted Ronald Jones, I don't, I don't think he's droppable because uh, I still think he's no. going to be a borderline top forty guy uh, for you. I know you're disappointed. Uh, I was ready to put, I was honestly ready to put him up in my top twenty-five. Uh, when we, when I did before the Fournette signing, he was about to move into my top 25 uh, on my ranking. So it's a little disappointing for that, but I think both are going to have a role. And more importantly, it's going to be good for the offense in general. Uh, so that yeah. it's going to be exciting. To, again, it's already a great offense. It adds pieces to it. Uh, I'm really excited to see how he fits in.
2: Yeah. As Ronald Jones goes, he's going to, he's going to take a couple to the house. He's the one benefiting from these, these limited boxes as well, uh, in the first couple of weeks. The great thing about having a coaching staff that's this experienced, when you're checking on a guy like Fournette, you're calling guys you've probably worked with, talked to, and you're getting the scoop on somebody you really trust. And by all accounts, he's a smart guy that works really hard in the classroom, and it's not going to take that long to pick up. So I don't know if he's going to have a role in week one. I would be asking a lot when you've already got a guy you're really counting on in Jones. But the first couple of weeks might be thin, and then I think – But th- but then they're both fresh. Like, that's the best part is, like, you know Ronald Jones has a good first half and Fournette's completely fresh and plays the second half or vice versa whatever it is or they're both you know and by the way they're also gonna be winning a lot of games they weren't trying to come from behind like last year where they're trying to run out the clock their four-minute offense is now insane those guys are both fresh you could run them in and out I, I I love it all the way around
0: no very good for football perspective right very good for this football team slightly frustrating if you have Ronald Jones because having Leonard Fournette definitely has an impact. There's no way around that. Um you're you you still, like as we said, have value there, but there's no way that having Leonard Fournette there doesn't impact Ronald Jones negatively. That's just it. from a fantasy perspective, two different lenses. Football, very good for the football team. Fantasy, good for you if you got Fournette in the last five days where he wasn't on a roster and there was this opportunity to draft him. And, and, and he was given now, this is probably one of the best, if not the best case scenario for him, if you, if you got him. Um, But then if you had Ronald Jones, you may have drafted him a little earlier than you wanted to, but that's that's just kind of how this goes.
2: One last thing, Paige, one thing Ronald Jones has struggled with in the past is getting better at his pass blocking. And one thing Leonard Fournette is extremely underrated at is his pass blocking. So once he figures out the scheme, and the different stuff that they're doing offensively, I think that's going to be a huge thing that Brady's going to love when he's in the game. Play action off of that and be able to pick up the blitz.
1: Speaking of that, I'll save my my thoughts on this mostly for next week when we start to talk about the Thursday Night Football game to open the season. But that pass-blocking element always gets forgotten about when it comes to, especially young players, but it comes to running backs that are in committees. And we're going to talk on Thursday, or I guess Wednesday show next week, about how annoyed the fantasy community is going to be with how many snaps Daryl Williams gets in week one because he's a really strong pass protector and Clyde edwards helaire is not yet. And we're going to also – but this little preview of why that matters. But we'll talk about that more next week. But again, Absolutely. these factors matter.
0: Yeah. The, that's where the football analysis impacts the fantasy analysis. That's why the the dynamic of the show is always – Uh, being able to look at it from both lenses and understand they together is what uh, makes the best way to look at and and adjust your lineups accordingly. All right, two more pieces of news, and then we will recap our draft. Uh, We alluded to it because Jake alluded to it, so we don't need to spend a bunch of time on it. But Mohamed Sanu released from the New England Patriots, um listen from a football perspective this is a massive wart for that new england patriots team who traded away a second round pick for as jake said however i mean basically nothing right they got nothing out of it um ended up turning around and releasing him mostly i want to know i liked sanu a lot when he was in atlanta i was excited about him um i think he's got a lot left i was actually really surprised to see this happen so jake what is your, I haven't been paying close attention to him. And when I read this, I was honestly, I was very, very surprised knowing that that they don't have a lot of depth at this position. So um, were you surprised? Like I was about this. And, and where do you think he is valued now knowing that, you know, he's not on a team
2: more shocked than surprised. You're talking about a true pro that plays multiple positions on that offense. And they're very limited on the weapons that they have. And I agree with you. I think he's got a lot left. He was playing at a high level before they traded him for him last year, uh, apparently he has a really close relationship with Dwayne Haskins. And he's mm-hmm. being rumored to be going to the, uh, the Washington football team. I think he'd be a great addition there. He's gonna kill our boy Steven Sims Jr. if he goes that Jamie and I love so much. I think they're still gonna find ways of putting him on the field. The only thing there is that they're going young and going away from Adrian Peterson. They're going with this young offense. Maybe they don't, or maybe they do need a veteran in that wide receiver room that maybe doesn't play as much of a role as he is just being in there and being a veteran. I think he would help them tremendously. Um, Ron Rivera doesn't like losing games. He's going to want to go, but he realizes they're limited on what they can do offensively. Uh, but I've, been, I've seen him rumored there. I, I like that a lot. They're, uh, you know, another one, it's funny, Chicago comes up with all this, and we're not talking about running backs. I think he fits there as well because he plays multiple positions, and Anthony Miller hasn't been able to stay healthy. Another one, San Francisco, of course. San Francisco's the best fit. Yeah, I mean, sure. San Francisco's – and he goes back to being with Kyle Shanahan, who knows, you know, he's going to know a lot of that stuff. Um, which means he's probably going to – somebody's going to want to pay him. But if I'm him, I'm going to San Francisco to try to win games. But apparently that relationship with Dwayne Haskins is so strong, he considers himself an uncle, I saw a report on, uh, that maybe there's – maybe that's the
0: option.
1: Yeah, and Sanu's ability to play all over the field is is a big factor too. He's not pigeonholed to the slot. I know he plays that role a lot sometimes and successfully, but he can play outside and did a little bit of all that for for Atlanta. Yeah, it's I was a I wasn't shocked to see him cut because if you if you took out the draft compensation from that trade like he didn't really fit in outside of one game last year. Um it's not like the Patriots have a deep receiver room at all, but I it just it seemed like that wasn't that wasn't going to fit. Washington would make sense from, like Jake said, from a they need they need the pieces there. Um, you know, you have McLaurin, who you love. You know, Trey Quinn's fine in the slot, but it really is nothing to write home about. I like Stephen Sims as well, but he can get on the field. But maybe you know he's on the field on the outside with uh, Snu inside in the slot if that's a scenario. Uh, you know, San Francisco makes a ton of sense with all of their. I mean, it's just like every other day they put a receiver on IR out there, so I mean he could be absolutely, absolutely be a fit there. Had success with Kyle Shanahan. Um, I don't think a return to Atlanta is out of the question either. Uh, I think Russell Gage can handle that spot, but, um, you know, if they wanted to, I I don't think that's where I would put my assets, but he obviously knows the team very well and would fit there. Uh, So we'll see where he lands. San Francisco is the only place where he could land, and I am going to grab him for fantasy and put him on my bench right away. Everybody else, i am kind of wait and see. He was just inside my top 80 before. Like, I think I had him like 79th. Uh, in in my wide receiver rankings before he got cut so he's not somebody I think outside of San Francisco just because of their situation although all the news about Debo Samuel has been really positive lately but regardless they need other other options that one would intrigue me as a last spot on the bench type of guy if you need receiver help but otherwise I think you can kind of be in wait and see mode on him all
0: right moving on last piece of news is uh (laughs) Another thing that I went off on, and I went off on Twitter, so I will not go off on the show because I blew off the steam already, uh, is that Clowney being rumored to sign in New Orleans, right? And I tweeted this out and was like, I don't understand how the hell they're making this work with their cap situation, right? So the only way this is going to happen is on a one-year deal. um, There's no way they can give him money long-term that's not even remotely in the vicinity of possibilities unless – I don't know. They work some voodoo magic to make that happen. Um, I mean, I think this is a reflection, Jake, of them watching in the division, you know, the Buccaneers stack up more and more talent and knowing that this is going to be a dogfight in that division to just win the division. And I think they realize that having home field advantage in the postseason is going to be a big deal with or without fans. New Orleans just plays better in a dome. Period, end of story. And if they have to go on the road, no matter what it is, with or without fans at that time, um, you know, we saw what that looked like last year with Seattle and San Francisco, right? I think it mirrors very similarly this year what is going to happen potentially with Tampa and New Orleans. So I understand this. I just – I'm having a tough time thinking about Alvin Kamara in this locker room asking for cash and them going, no, we don't have cash but we we'll go sign Clowney. Like I'm having, like I'm just trying to envision how this conversation with Sean Payton and Alvin Kamara went. And then they get rumored 24 hours later to have been really, really aggressive to, to to and Clowney. So I'm playing that all out in my head, just react to the news and whether or not you think this would be a good signing Jake for the, for the new Orleans Saints.
2: If they can pull it off, it's a great signing for them. The way to limit Brady or beat Brady is get to him quick and adding an elite pass rusher does that he doesn't play every down like an elite pass rusher and he might not play every week he's wanting 20 21 million he ain't getting that he's going to get a one-year deal They're probably going to guarantee it and build in some incentives and by all accounts Camara stuff they could do an extension like this new thing we've seen this year where Mm -hmm. they give him a signing bonus and it really doesn't kick in till later and the problem he has is with Breeze's dead money but apparently Sean Payton's going to veterans on this team that are making a lot of money and saying hey can we restructure your deal if we if we make this work and a lot of them are going to say yes, because bringing a, a guy like Clowney in for a year when they're all in to win the Super Bowl, Tampa and New Orleans are all in for this year, everything you can do. So bringing in a piece like that is like, a, like bringing in a Fournette. Problem is, Jadavian Clowney doesn't like training camp. You don't know what kind of shape he's in. he got injury history. Yeah. doesn't know the defense. And he ain't coming come cheap. The reason he is not signed is because he wants $20, $21 million. He doesn't deserve that. Uh, if this isn't a $14 or $15 million range, it's still overpaid for me. But if they can make it work for a year, they're going to have more dead money down the road somewhere because they're going to have to restructure probably five guys to get this done.
0: Yeah, next year is horrendous uh, when you look at it with the adjustment to the cap and where it's expected to be because of revenue losses and then Drew Brees potentially um, retiring and what that's going to look like. It's very ugly uh, from for at least a year, if not more than that. Um, but this is about this year, Jamie, and this yeah. move – would make sense from a football perspective. Uh, Are you in on them trying to make this happen just strictly to make this team better?
1: Yes. Because I I think at this point, you've already leveraged your future. You've already made the deal with the devil for this team. So your goal is you have to win with Jubries before he retires, like period. of. again, I should say, I mean, they've won one, but a while back, but you have to win again. Like that, that is your your entire structure of your team is based around that. And I don't hate that when you have a, a limited window like this, but uh, so to me, right now, they could get to 14 million in cap space for this year if they restructure Demario Davis, Will Lutz, uh, and uh, Nick Easton, which I think would be the first three players they look to do deals with. So that, uh, now it's going to depend: is that enough? You know, because you can't give them every cent. You're going to have to leave some cap space for in-season maneuvering, but. You know how much can you sign Clowney for? Is he willing to take any sort of a discount to go to New Orleans versus to go to a, a Tennessee or a Seattle or somebody, someplace like that? So they can do it. Um, they can make it happen. They're going to be in a very tenuous situation, but they already are. So the reality yeah. is, is you, you've already pushed all your chips to the center of the table. If you want to take that final chip out of your pocket and put it, put it in there and go all in, it really isn't going to be that big of a difference long-term. At this point, you have made your bed that you, you're, going to go, you're going for it this year and it's Super Bowl or bust, and you're going to have multiple years of cap hell you're going to have to fight through. Regardless, they would have had this even if there wasn't this flat cap. They were going to have massive problems that they had to deal with. So I guess again, at that point, you've you've already leveraged almost everything that you have. What's one more piece?
0: Yeah I'm I'm super interested in where he ends up because that's obviously as Jamie you said in the pre-show if he wants to play in week 1 he's going to have to get something done this weekend. So I think you've seen a couple of pushes from other teams including our guy Will Compton uh who's a guest of the podcast who is now officially a Tennessee Titan. So good for our boy who uh is um, trying to get Jadavion Clowney to come with an incentive package that he built in for busting with the boys that includes, I think, whiskey and um, almond milk lattes and other things that he has uh, said are guarantees. So it wasn't I, it, the
2: greatest pitch I've ever heard. I got, I got it. Wasn't, uh, it wasn't the it, greatest no. pitch.
0: No, he's he's trying. He threw in like a shirt and a guest appearance and whiskey and something else. Uh, yeah, whiskey under $79. I did notice That's that. That's a pricey I got-
2: bottle, though. I'll give him props did on that. Say. That's a pricey it's like bottle a- of whiskey. We didn't say bourbon, we said whiskey. Whiskey yeah. for yes. 79 bucks is expensive. Is yeah. Jack uh, look, Daniels, I mean, like
1: single barrel select type range. Yeah, yeah now. something
2: like that. Tennessee makes sense, too. And if, if money is the deciding factor here, I think Tennessee's got more than New Orleans. Can definitely Ten- move probably. stuff around. Tennessee to have needs more to. For you. Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. So they lost Vic Beasley, who they gave, what, $9 million to in the offseason, Yeah. whatever happened there. Uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's got to happen the next day, day or two.
0: Yeah, got to happen. And, of course, as we are recording this, it's 1130 Pacific time on Friday. We'll inevitably come out at noon uh, because we'll be <laughs> done with the podcast. So uh, that is all the news that we needed to get into, a lot of it, right? There was a lot of news. So uh, wanted to make sure we spent our, our time going through all of that Jamie, let's talk about the draft. Let's talk about the draft. We had a draft on Wednesday, ourselves, the three of us with nine of our premium TDN premium members. Uh, We did it on Sleeper, So shout out sleeper, really enjoyed uh, drafting through their experience that they have. Um, And the biggest part of this that I loved was that it took less than 90 minutes. Okay. Thank That's goodness. This is exactly how drafts are supposed to go. When people know who they want to draft, there, there was very rarely a time that it went all the way down to the end of the clock. I think there's probably a dozen picks that it actually went all the way down. Um, and really I, I enjoyed I was pleasantly surprised as I said at the top of the podcast. I was pleasantly surprised at the level of competitiveness that existed within this league. Uh, because I wasn't prepared for that. So, Jamie, your quick thoughts on, on how the draft went.
1: Uh, a few things. One, I think the big note was 11 running backs going round one. Uh, I think that that really put me a little bit in a bind uh, in round two. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, we've preached running back early, and we've talked about the, the depth issues that you get at that position right away. Uh, and clearly everybody in the league listened. The only receiver goes is uh, Michael Thomas at number seven, which I think is the appropriate spot for him to go. Uh, so, very RB heavy. And then Clyde Edwards Hilaire came off the board. Or I should say Elaire. I keep forgetting. It's, I got at the age Clyde Edwards <laughs> Eler off The board at pick number four. So, that was hot. the first.
0: Okay. That was uh, the first
1: hot take. Ahead of Camara, ahead of Dalvin Cook. Um, so, those are my most interesting takes from round one.
0: Okay. I like that. Jake, did anything else stand out to you? And let's go, let's broaden it first three rounds um, that that stuck out. I definitely. Uh, the Clyde Edwards Hilaire thing was the thing that threw me. That was the first thing that threw me. I was like, wow, that's early. Okay. Um, I, I was like, it's not psycho early, but it's early. Uh, it was early. It's early. And, and, uh, running no, the thing that I was most happy about was no quarterback going in the first round. That's what I was most happy about. I, that's how I judge a good draft or a bad draft is if somebody decides to take a quarterback in the first round and they didn't, we got one in the second round. But it was towards the end, back half of the second round. And, and I was like, okay, this I'm, I can tolerate that. And, and that was probably my takeaways uh, from and the first couple of rounds.
1: Extending it around to 14 of the first 16 players off the board were running backs. So we have a lot of people that listen to the
2: show, apparently. Yep,
0: sure do. <laughs> uh, I'm proud
2: of them for listening to the show. A couple of them went a little little haywire, but there were some really good teams. Uh, Paige's team is insane. She's not going to brag on herself. I'm going to brag on her. She sniped me like five times, which we previewed. I didn't think it was going to be that heavy because I had multiple people. But people listen to our show. They're on this, in this league. So a lot of the people we talk about that we like were already gone. Um, Jamie got me later. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you took Mahomes with the first pick of the third round, which I loved. You already were super heavy with Chris Carson and McCaffrey. Um, it, Lamar Jackson went late in the second. That was a little up there. None of the tight ends went crazy out of character. Uh, it was a really solid draft with some really good teams. Uh, was it Skinny? Skilly? Skilly. Yeah, Skilly. 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 Picked 11th. Had a freaking great draft, I thought. Yeah, great draft. Did. Really, yeah, great really draft. solid. Really solid. Um, Jamie's was interesting, and I want him to talk about it because he went with yeah. the receivers that he loved. And I love the running backs he got late. He really snuck in some quality stuff. One of them's already bit him in the ass. So it's going to be interesting to hear. I put my money where my mouth is. I went running back heavy, and I went with Carson Wentz as my quarterback, and I got him pretty late. Uh, went, Went kicker and defense earlier than I've been doing in all my mocks because my team I felt was pretty good, and I wanted to upgrade those positions and not wait. So I went Greg Zerline and I think the 11th or 12th, and the Steelers uh, – 13th
1: on, on their line, 12th around, you took Pittsburgh. And
2: yeah, I took yep. Pittsburgh. So I, I loaded up and went with what I thought thought was one of the two best defenses and two best kickers. Uh, I got Raheem Mostert and Kareem Hunt as flexes right now and have decent depth at receiver with Jarvis Landry and Emmanuel Sanders. I thought the draft was awesome. It was fun. It was yeah. fast. And everybody was really solid, and I loved after the draft, people were already offering trades. One trade went through. <laughs> <laughs> it's been –
1: it's been good. It's going to be a fun league. It really is. And uh, to Jake's point about, so I kind of got caught in a bad spot because of all the running backs going. Now I, I put my money where my mouth was when none of the guys that I really liked fell. I took Aaron Jones in round one and I'm okay yeah. with that. I know that's, that's, that's been the most criticized pick I've made, but uh, I could tell he wasn't. And I know now for a fact, talking with the other league owners, uh, or league managers, he wasn't going to get to me in round two. So mm-hmm. I'm glad I got him there. I end up getting Julio Jones uh, back around. And then I basically go three receivers there, which is not what I wanted to do with the next three picks. I get Julio Jones, Cooper Cup, and Robert Woods. All three guys I really love. I just kept getting in this like weird spot with running backs, like where I have to go 15 or sometimes 20 spots down my board to get to the next running back I had available. Like I took Julio Jones when the next best back available to me would have been Chris Carson, who I like, but I just didn't like it more than Julio Jones. You know, I, I take – Cooper Cup when the next best back available to me was James Conner. You know, I take Robert Woods when the next best back was, you know, R- Raheem Mostert. So just like, I like those players, but just not quite over those receivers. So I end up going with DeAndre Swift in the fifth, hoping for a big second half push and having to make it work with the combination of Matt Breida. I thought Adrian Peterson early in the season, but I guess not not anymore. Uh, Rykel Armstead, Sony Michelle, who I hate, but I took late because I need somebody to get me through the first few weeks here um this is a two flex league by the way I think that that's something that needs to be noted so two receivers yes. two running backs two flex um so you're going to be playing six of those playmakers every single week um but I think my favorite pick was getting Zach Ertz in the sixth I thought he yeah, really, it was big really big, really fell and I big. wanted to go running back there I thought about it but I just couldn't I mean he's a top 40 player for me that fell to me in the yeah. sixth round so I was happy for to sure. get him but um to Jake's original point too uh Paige is the best team coming out of this draft. She executed that number one pick cheat code I've been talking about on the show to perfection, getting McCaffrey, pairing him with another solid top 20 running back in Chris Carson, getting my QB one Patrick Mahomes in round three, and then following up with extremely undervalued T.Y. Hilton, Tyler Lockett in the two receiver spots. Right in front of my ass. Gets Tariq Cohen later. Um, so, I mean, that's, those first six picks there I think are the like, exact formula that I think you can execute in your league. Uh, if, but now if your league doesn't get QB crazy, uh, you can execute those first six picks that page did to perfection. I think have a real edge over the rest of your league. Yeah. yeah I'll, re- was- I'll
2: rewind for a second before we turn it over to you. Cause it was impressive. So I go Saquon Barkley went Le'Veon Bell in the second, because or no, I went, Deandre Hopkins fell to me. Yeah. yeah. All the yeah. running backs went and I was like, I'm not, a, I, I agree with Jamie. I think he has a little bit down year from where he's the 23? been. But I was like, <laughs> wow so I was gonna go running back running back running back and maybe even a fourth running back before I started going receivers I'm like okay I know Paige is going Chris Carson here over right in front of me because I was going to go Chris Carson and Le'Veon Bell went with Bell because it's full point PPR after taking Hopkins where you took Mahomes and Chris Carson which I loved, ended up getting Tyler Boyd who I love but I still think is extremely undervalued to go with Hopkins and then I can play with my my flexes so I got Raheem Mostert and Kareem Hunt with two more running backs coming back around the turn and then, you know, like I said, I got Jarvis Landry and Emmanuel Sanders to be able to play here and there if I need to. But it's pretty solid. Hayden Hurst late was another one that I really liked. Uh, I think it was a big year. But being right next to Paige, knowing the guys that she loved and knowing the guys I loved, snacking T.Y. Hilton and Tyler Lockett, one of the two, I was like, please just don't take them both. And, of course, she took them both.
0: I think the, I had the ability to execute on the, the Chico that Jamie talked about that he wrote about. Um, on Draft Network because we did not go quarterback crazy, right? So that was – I was concerned that I wouldn't be able to pull this off because I didn't know – I know how you guys draft, but I didn't know how those – there was an X factor, the variables that existed. I didn't anticipate uh, that they were going to listen to the podcast as much as they did, which was awesome. And they did draft like us. They were very smart. They did take a lot of running backs early. That did put Jamie in a tough position because a lot of these great running backs, they were gone. I mean, it was, it was very early. And, and so I was able to execute what Jamie talked about, but this is, this is a, this is a tale for anybody who is drafting, I would say in the top four spots, you have an opportunity to take one of the, one of the four guys that we have evaluated. That is, that is tier one, right? You're going to go Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, right? And if, if you're, if you're following what we're doing my suggestion is you go running back, running back, and you come back around and you take the best damn player available at the position, okay? Because there are so many wide receivers and you really got to think, because I looked there and I went, nah, there's going to be great wide receivers when I come back around. And it's the difference between Mahomes and somebody else is dramatic enough for me to take Mahomes. So that's where I know for me, stacking McCaffrey and Mahomes every week is a cheat code that every single week knowing you're going to get those two guys is a cheat code so if you end up with the first overall spot like I did which I traditionally cannot stand having this is kind of the way that it falls to you that makes it that much better because I did go running back running back quarterback and then came back and drafted two wide receivers back to back and then I think my probably one of my favorite Picks that I got late was Debo Samuel, who was available yeah. later on, and I said, you know what, I feel comfortable. I like my two guys that I have starters. I have another guy as, and I got Cohen. I sniped Cohen from poor Jamie. Um, and and I went, you know what, Debo, if he ends up coming back, even if I I I, I did this last year with Golden Tate, where I went, okay, he's not going to play the first four games. That's fine. If I don't get Debo for the first four games, I'm prepared for that. We have two IR spots. I could keep him there, put somebody else on my bench and 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 have him when he comes back. Best case scenario, he sits out only one week, comes back, and I have a superstar that I drafted way late in the draft. So I was probably t- t- getting Cohen later, probably a little bit earlier than I wanted to, but I knew Jamie was going to take him and getting Debo Samuel were probably my two kind of later things that happened that I was very excited about uh, because I think I, I like Cohen a lot, especially with the unknown, with David Montgomery, and then also getting getting Debo Samuel, who's uh, what's well, PPR. A Cohen's going to
2: be a monster. I, oh, loved yeah. it. I loved him, but that would have been another running back with a week 11 bye yeah. for me. So yeah. I was like, I, <laughs> I, I, just, I kept doing it in mock drafts, and then i get done and look and go, oh, God, I got like eight people with a week 11 bye. I might as well just give <laughs> up that week. Guys, here's the point with the running back stuff. like Sammy Watkins still available on the waiver wire. Not that we love him, but a decent receiver to fill in, Kendrick Bourne. Pittman Jr. Yep. Lazard, Mike Williams, Paraman, who got released because somebody made him, Steven Sims Jr., Larry Fitzgerald, Randall Cobb, compared to...
0: <laughs> go look at the
2: running back. Brown, Jalen Rashard, Rex Burkhead, yep. Yep. Giovanni Bernard. Like, there's nothing on the yep. waiver wire running back. Yeah, like, you have to go either a lot early or grab a couple of those mid guys you're gonna have to count on late but you better get them in the draft because there's gonna be no waiver wire running backs at all
0: no no and that's we've been preaching it and all of us we practice what we preach we did exactly what we, we talked about it we talked about it we talked about it Jamie me you know all three of us very early on all three of us in the first round running backs every single one of us um and I think that's that's where, yeah, d- is is Aaron Jones technically early? Sure. Uh, not when you like him as a top five guy, like all of yeah. us do. That's not early. Uh, that's not early at all. And I think you ended up getting lucky even so, Jamie, because Clyde Edwards-Alaire went earlier than we had him, right? So I, I was like, I don't know if Aaron Jones is going to fall to Jamie because everybody on the podcast might be listening to us and t- try and snake Aaron Jones before he gets to Jamie. But you know, I think that's, that's, the, that's the recipe here. The theme across the board is draft running backs. We all did it. We all told you. We practiced what we preached. Uh, and we, we had to go and make sure that we got one of these guys. Because otherwise, good luck. Those guys that Jake just named off, not the, it's slim pickings. It's not, it's not looking so good for you on the waiver wire to go pick up running backs. All right, guys. I got, last... I got a question.
2: I got a question here from uh, from Sue Ann in our league.
0: Oh, I love it. Sue who's Ann. been trying to
2: move Deshaun Watson because she went Lamar Jackson in the second yeah, round. that was that, is,
0: that was the one. I the I was like Sue Ann. I'm cool having two quarterbacks. I rostered two quarterbacks just like I said it was going to. I took Joe yeah, Burrow too. with my last pick, but not two quarterbacks in the first five rounds. Which I went is, I Daniel Jones, Ann, which
2: I wasn't real happy about, but I needed somebody that might be able to put up some points. So she's offering me Deshaun Watson for Kareem Hunt because I oh, went running back heavy. But I got Carson Wentz. The only thing with Carson Wentz is, Jamie's not convinced he's playing the whole season, and I'm not sure I am either. He's already got a lower body soft tissue injury, and I don't want to go with Daniel Jones. I don't hate this. What do you guys think?
0: As some as somebody who wants you to lose, I think you should not take that deal. But as your friend who can look at this from a uh, – what needs to happen for your team, I know you love Carson Wentz, man, but that dude is not playing 16 games. He's just not. He never – he – like. You got to – and guess who does play? Deshaun Watson. And I, I just – I think that's – even if Deshaun Watson takes a step back, like we all think he's going to, he's still, with everything that he is able to do and the magic he makes happen, man, I, I find that hard to believe. You got enough running backs. Like, I think that's – I would do that deal. But maybe I need I to – I have a really good again. idea if
2: I do the deal to drop Daniel Jones or who I'd pick up as a flyer. I'm not going to say it because I don't want anybody to go snipe, get this before I do this.
0: I would do that deal personally from my team. That's I what would. I would do. And Jamie would. I think, Kareem, I think okay. Kareem Hunt's
1: an RB2. You're starting two flexes every week. So I, I would actually hold steady on that. I, mean, I know, like Jeff, but, but he got drafted like an, around and watching it drafted a round and a half later. I mean, I know that that's not like the be all end all, yeah, but it's just.
0: You did take Kareem Hunt pretty early, huh? I got to look at your team. I just think, man, I've. Uh, you better be comfortable playing Daniel Jones, then, brother. Because I don't know about Carson. No, because
2: no, look, I mean, going back to the same thing in the league, there's plenty of guys on the there's plenty wire of guys, guys on the waiver wire. I was like, I was kind of shocked. I almost dropped Daniel Jones and just said, I'm going to roster one guy anyway.
0: Who's available? Quarterback wise Teddy
2: Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor, Garoppolo, Rivers, Minshew, Carr, Tannehill, Darnold, Fitz.
0: I Man, I don't want to be. I don't want to be
1: streaming a quarterback for the year, but.
0: Yeah, I guess I'd probably take. No, oh, but.
1: And,
0: yeah. But I you're guess, still doing, Like,
1: I think I think if this was like a one flex league, I consider it. But a two flex league, I mean, hunts an every week starter for you. Like, I mean, I think that that's the thing that's a factor.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, now you're kind of talking me off it. I don't know. I think I'd still do it.
1: Because I, I mean, I was button. offered. I was offered DeAndre Swift. I mean, I like to give away DeAndre Swift for, Watson, and I. I turned that down.
0: Oh, she's trying to make a deal with everybody.
1: She so.
2: trying. Yeah, she drafted him, and <laughs> trying to move him. She's playing the, uh, the Patriots quarterback room here. I like
0: it. It's fun I'm to talk gonna, about I'm, on the
2: show because it literally just came Sue through. Ann, while we're sitting
0: there. Sue Ann, Sue Ann, let me tell you something, girl. As the only other female in the league, I feel like I have to give you this advice. You wait till week one or week two when one of these dudes' quarterbacks goes down and they're going to be forced to make a move and you're going to get a lot more <laughs> yeah, leverage than you you're going to get And Emmanuel Sanders. <laughs> That's exactly right. So do not do this deal now because you have no leverage. You have no leverage at all. Wait two weeks when somebody's quarterback goes down and they go, man, oh man, I'd like to have Deshaun Watson. So Sue Ann, I hope you listen to the podcast today because I think that now I've talked myself into, I'm going to talk you out of doing this deal so that (laughs) way you hold on and you have leverage. Uh, Now is not the time to move those guys. If that was what your strategy was and you wanted to move them, you have the least amount of leverage possible right now. If you wait a couple weeks, somebody's going to need a quarterback. That's a, almost a guarantee. And you I would just wait. i i wait and try and make a move. Because then, as Jake said, if Carson Wentz ain't suiting up for week three, he might be offering you Kareem Hunt and, a, and something else. So that's – wait, wait, Sue Ann. Just Girl give me power. Kareem Hunt instead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Maybe that's right, who I guys. need to
2: be talking to is Jamie.
0: Okay. All right. Collusion happening on the podcast. Sorry, it's everybody. not collusion. league. We're talking yeah, we're about just, it live. We're talking about
1: people said, can listen. Well, what's, your Venmo, just f- what's, your what's your Venmo, Jake? Unrelated, what's your Venmo? <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, guys. Uh, final thoughts on today's pod. Let's give away the final, final draft strategy. One piece of advice that people need going into Labor Day weekend. Jamie, I'll let you go first.
1: Uh, again watch running backs I think that that's the biggest piece Um, and just be aware of the news it's going to happen with any potential cuts any of these other moves that are going to be made guys are going to move around but the biggest piece to know is that as you running backs are going to be key and finding that RB2 is gonna I'm not I said I'm in like with my team I'm not in love with my team because I don't like my RB2 situation until DeAndre Swift takes over in Detroit later in the season so prioritize those positions right away Uh, if you get Because most leagues aren't going to be like ours. You're not going to see 14 running backs come off the board in the top 16 picks. So you're going to have those options in round two. If there's anything remotely close, even if it's three or four spots in your rankings, default to the running backs over receivers early if you can. Now, if it's 15 or 20 spots, I understand don't do that. But if it's only a few spots, default to the running backs.
0: Jake, your final piece of advice to everybody going into Labor Day weekend?
2: A lot of stuff's already happened. Final cuts aren't until Sunday. Jamie just hit it. I mean, there's going to be some more shockers. Adrian Peterson was a big one this morning. Nobody really saw coming. There's going to be more. Uh, If you haven't drafted or you're drafting next week, God bless you. If you have roll with the punches and see what happens. I, I can't believe we're within a week of football. This is so awesome.
0: Yeah. Very excited. My final thoughts here are I hope that you have a great Labor Day weekend. I hope that you enjoy uh, this time uh, before we hit full-fledged football season. Um, but, man, it feels good to have gotten to this point, And good luck in your drafts. There's not really you, – if you listen to the show, you know we tell you to take running backs. I'm going to tell you that's my last thing. Take a damn running back. And if, if you don't have a running back in the first two rounds, you're going to be in a real tough spot. So make sure you're taking a running back because – I don't care if you're in a 10-team league, a 12-team league, 16-team league. It's not going to be pretty when it comes back to you in the third round. So you better take a damn running back with your one of your first two picks.
1: And that goes for auction leagues as well and spending a couple extra dollars. Like I have another auction league I'm in with Kamara and Aaron Jones at running back. So I'm in a completely different scenario than I am in this league. But spend those extra picks because there are so many good receivers out there. Now, not elite. Again, understand the difference between – the elite options and the good options. And I think that don't, and I've talked about that in my 20 thoughts column, like don't lump in Mahomes and Lamar Jackson with the rest of the QB depth. And that's why I like page making that move in round three, same thing with like Kittle and and Kelsey versus the rest, but prioritize elite talent. But right now the replacement level at running back is so much lower than replacement level at wide receiver. You have to make sure you leave the draft with a couple guys you can trust, or at least guys you can, you feel like you'll be able to trust down the stretch later in the season. If you miss out like I did, taking a chance on Swift because I need that depth later in the year that hopefully that he becomes that RB two for me and it makes it up down the stretch.
0: All right, guys, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake,
2: Jake B Arians on Twitter
0: and Jamie
1: at Jamie Eisner on Twitter.
0: You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at TDN fantasy. You can follow the draft network at the draft network. Be sure to check out jamie's latest update to his eisner board got to become a premium member if you haven't already uh and and that's how you're going to be able to see that take it print it out have it ready to rock so you're ready to go into your draft and prepared for labor day weekend drafting because i know there's a whole hell of a lot of you getting a draft on this weekend so enjoy yourselves and good luck
1: thank you for listening to believe